Lift your voices in worship. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Lift your voices in worship. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Lift your voices in worship. Hallelujah. Savior, don't pass us by. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Father, we magnify you for being a God that hears and not just hears, but a God that also responds. Thank you, Father, that we're never forsaken. Thank you, Father, that we're never abandoned. Thank you, Father, that we're never rejected as your children. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you. God, we ask that in this moment of yet still worship as we come to your word, God, I pray now in the name of Jesus that our hearts will be open. Open to receive whatever it is that you have for us, God. And not just to receive, God, but we want to act on your word. We want to live out the scripture that says that we're not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word as well. Father, we thank you for every father, every father figure, every stepfather, every godfather, every uncle, every male figure. God, we celebrate them this day. Those that may even have a strain with their father, God, we pray that you will fix the strain, God, and restore, God. Those who want the day to be over because their father is no longer here, give them grace, God. Give them the grace in the midst of the tears, in the midst of the feelings, God, to live off the memories, God. And for those who absolutely hate this day because their father was not active in their life, God, I pray that you Wherever they are, God, that your presence will fill the room and they will feel the, the interaction and the engagement of a real, real father. We thank you now. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said amen, amen, and amen. Come on and give God praise right there. Hallelujah. 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 Well, good morning, Hopewell, those in person, those in online. Good morning. Again, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Once again, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Can we give it up for all the fathers, those in person, those online? Happy Father's Day to you. We honor you on this day. We honor you on this day, and we thank God. We thank God for fathers. I thank God for my father still being in the land of the living. I didn't call him this morning because I know he was still asleep. I'm going to hit him up at the church. Amen. I thank God that even as a grown man with a family of his own, I still need my daddy. And I thank God that he is actively still fathering me. Even at 36, he still actively calls me every day. If not, he don't call every day. I have an attitude, missionary. What have been? I ain't heard from you all day. What you been doing that you forgot about me? He's all, oh, son, I'm sorry. I forgot. I said, that's okay. Make sure you call me tomorrow. Amen. Thank God for my father. Thank God for my father. Let's go right to the text. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Psalms 127. Psalms 127. Psalms 
with the vision of Psalms 127. Amen. I thank God for all of those that I hear. To our mothers, Mama Lou, Mother Mac, Mother Albert, Mother Simon. Amen. We just thank God for all of God's people and us being in the house. Those online, if you haven't shared, make sure you go ahead and share. Amen. Psalms 127. If you don't mind, stand with me as we read the word of God. Amen. It's not, it's not wrong if you stand. You're not going to get in trouble if you don't stand. But if you can stand, we just want to be able to honor um, the, in reverence the word of God. Psalms 20, 127, short Psalms, 1 through 5, but emphasis on verse 4. But we're going to read all the five verses. It's just five, so we might as well go ahead and read them. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarded with centuries would do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night. Anxiously, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives the rest to his loved ones. That's good news right there. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Verse 4, children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city's gate. I want to read verse 4 again. That's what we want to have great emphasis on this morning, on this wonderful Father's Day morning. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. I want to use for a subject this morning, warrior dad, warrior dad. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord, warrior dad. Interesting enough, Brother Victor, the same qualities for being a good archer, one who, who is trained and, and, and takes time to be developed on how to shoot a bow and arrow are the same qualities needed to be a good father. I'm going to say it again. The same unique qualities, Brother Young, that are needed for an archer to, to, to be good and to be accurate in what they do are the same qualities that fathers need. One of those is just two things, consistency and dedication. If an archer is going to work on their craft and become a better archer every week, every day, they have to practice consistency. What does that mean, Pastor? They have to consistently work on their craft. They just can't pick it up and put it down when they get tired of it, but they have to spend time and be consistent in working on their craft so that they can get better and better each time. They have to not only do it with consistency, Sister Greta, but they also have to be dedicated. Again, they just can't pick it up and just drop it off when they want to. No, they have to be dedicated to this thing, meaning there's going to have to be time that's going to have to be committed and sacrificed so that consistency and dedication can be birthed. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe that these are two essentials that are needed for fathers to be able to effectively father their children today and not just today but every day that our fathers need to be consistently involved in their kids life. Our fathers need to be dedicated to their children. Their children have to realize and know that they don't have to wonder if daddy is going to show up. They don't have to wonder if daddy loves me. They don't have to wonder or think about how their father feels about them but it is consistent because they have taken the time to dedicate themselves to their children 
Here in Psalms 127, Solomon, he writes this. Psalms 127 is, is titled the Song of Ascent. These were, the, these, these were a group of songs, psalms that were sung as the Jews traveled uphill to Jerusalem for the annual festivals. It's said by theologians that the priests would lead the way and every step that they took as they were going uphill to Jerusalem to be able to enjoy the festivities, they would sing a song on their way up. So these people are journeying and as they're journeying, they pin a song to be able to sing about their journey. They said, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord, the Lord builds the house, the work of the labors is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, garden it, garden it with centuries will no longer be good. It is useless for work to work so hard day and night from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to the loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children are born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful it is for a man who whose quiver is full of them, he will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the gate. Let me just come out the gate and just say this real quick. What Solomon is trying to get us to be able to understand in verses 1 and 2, that it does not matter how good the material that you have in building a house. But I believe as Solomon is talking about building a house, he's not just talking about a physical house, but he's talking about the foundation of building a family. And I like the wisdom that Solomon shares that all of us can be able to agree with this morning. He says, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the laborers is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarded with centuries will do no good. Now, let me just put this out there real quick. What Solomon is not saying, Solomon is not against working. <laughs> let me come out the gate and say that real quick. Solomon is saying, hey, don't do nothing. Just wish upon the star for everything to take place in your life. No, Solomon is saying that your work is great. There is a human responsibility, Dr. Lane, that is needed. He says your work and your labor is great. He said, but the main ingredient, Dr. Jessica, is not just in the materials that you have or the contractors that you have. He says you got to make sure that in the midst of you building that God is at the forefront of what you're doing. He says you have to make sure that in the midst of your building and building your home and building your wives and building your sons and building your daughter that you make sure that God is in the forefront of everything that you're doing. He said it doesn't matter how many armed securities you got. doesn't matter how good it hey, doesn't matter how good your security system may be. He says, if God is not in the midst, everything that you have done has been a waste of time and money. Oh, God. I don't know about anybody else, but one thing I don't want to do, I don't want to waste any money at all. Solomon says, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord protects the city in everything that you do, You've done it in vain, and it is literally a waste. Here's one thing, fathers, that I want to be able to encourage us in on this morning. Let us know that fathering, fathering without God is reckless. <laughs> 
fathering without God. I know, I know, I know we could use this and say parenting without God is reckless. But I also, I just want to pinpoint this, amen, since it's Father's Day, amen, let us have our day, praise the Lord, it's Father's Day. So fathering without God is reckless. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean absolutely this. What I want to echo what Solomon is saying, if you do not have God in the midst of your fathering, you really don't know what you are doing. It does not matter how many books that you read. It doesn't matter how many several hours that you go to. If God is not in the midst of your fathering, you are tampering with lives that can be impacted for a long time because of our negligence. I'm not allowing God to be in the forefront of our fathering. He says again, right there, he says again, that if we're going to build this house, if we're going to build this family, you don't want to waste any resources. You don't want to waste any time. You don't want to waste any efforts. You have to make sure that God is in the midst of everything that you are doing. What are you saying, Pastor? That means that as fathers, there is a constant dependency that we must have upon God to help us to raise our children. I need y'all to help me this morning. I know it's Father's Day, ladies, to go ahead and help me preach. You can apply these same principles to your parenting as a woman as well. That if we are going to father our children effectively, we need, there is a constant need and dependency upon the grace of God and the mercy of God and the wisdom of God to help us to father our children. Oh God, we don't know enough. We don't know enough. We don't know enough. We don't know enough. We're not that smart just yet, Brother Lane, to be able to raise our children without God's help. I believe, I believe that if we ever get to a place where we're trying to work and do without God, God will provide a setting for us to get back to leaning and depend upon him and helping us to do what we need to do when it comes to ra raising our children. He said, unless the Lord protects the city, <laughs> guard it with the best security team Ain't going to do no good at all. He said, it's useless to work so hard from morning to evening to late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Here it is right here, saints of God. Here it is what Solomon is helping us to be able to realize, even when it comes to work, even when it comes to our careers, even when it comes to everything that we are striving to do. Solomon is giving wisdom to us in saying, hey, your careers your job, your hustles should never impact the way that you father your children. Now, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, I understand. I understand, I understand. As fathers, we want to make sure that our children have the best. Oh, yes, we do. We want to make sure that our children go without. We want to make sure they have the best of the best and can experience the finest things in life. Maybe things that you weren't able to experience in your life growing up. You want to make sure that your kids have that. And we work hard. We were take on two jobs. We'll take on three jobs. We will do whatever it is that we need to do to make sure that our children don't go without. I don't know all the sacrifices that my father made 
growing up. I don't know everything that he had to do, but I know that he was a hardworking man. I know, I know, I know he, he didn't have no problem with working. If he had to work three or four jobs, I can't, he was willing to be able to do it. I cannot recall the time in my life that I opened up the refrigerator and there was no food there. I can't recall the time in my life that when I woke up, the air was off, the lights were off. I can't recall the time in my life that someone was coming to repo something, but my father made sure that everything we needed we had but in the midst of that daddy made sure as well that his job his careers and what he did never took him away from his children Solomon is saying you can work hard morning shift midnight shift night shift working for food but if your presence is voided in your children's life, what's good of all of your labor? When time goes on and life is swiftly missing and life is swiftly getting away from us and life is going on, we're not going to look back and say, man, I wish I had took on more hours at work. <laughs> Man, I wish I had took on an extra job. No, we will look back on life, Sister Donna, and say, man, I wish I had missed that shift to make sure I was there to root my child on at that game. I wish, I wish, I wish I had not taken on that second job so I could have been there when he took the first steps. My mentor. Pastor Clarence Storrs Jr. of the Mars Hill Baptist Church on the great west side of Chicago. He said, Swims, he said, man, I made up my mind when my kids were small. He said, I could have, I could have, I could have preached at different conventions and, and been on different stages. I could have been a lot farther along in my ministry as a pastor, as a preacher. He said, I could have traveled all around the circuit going all over the world preaching. He said, but with every child, I was there when they talked. I was there when they took the first steps. I was there at their games. I was there. He came a few years ago. <laughs> I laugh about this now. I didn't understand it because I wasn't daddy at the time. He came and preached for me one time. And so the whole time we're back there in the office talking. He came and preached for my anniversary. He's back in the office talking. And he kept looking at his phone like, man, what is this brother doing? I'm trying to get some wisdom from him. And he over here looking at his son. He said, man, you know, hey, just don't, don't mind me. We can talk afterwards. But my son is playing in a major game right now. And I didn't want to disappoint you by not coming. But I want to make sure that my son knows that daddy is watching him. And so time came. He came out. And he came out, sat in the chair in the pulpit. He's sitting there, not up ready to preach yet. He's engaged in worship. Got his hand lifted up, praising God. But he's got his phone out watching his son play his game commenting so that his son could be able to know that even though daddy is hours away I still got my eyes on you and I'm still supporting you even from far away our children not only need our provision but they need our presence daddy they need us to be involved in their lives they need us to show up they need us to be at the parent teacher conference they need us to be at the school board meetings they need us to be there when they're going on prom. they need us to be there when they have questions about life about manhood and they're not asking some joker in the bathroom about sex and go out there and do the undying and do stuff that ends up messing up their life but they have a father that can be able to share life goals and experience with them and let them know this is the way that you should go so it's useless to do all this work and to work so hard but your children don't even know you and you don't know your children he said it's useless to work from morning to evening 
don't even know what their favorite TV show is. More than our provision. Oh, God, they need our presence. That's not to say that you skip over for, 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 that you skip over for provision and you don't provide for your kid. Absolutely not. You provide and you're also present in their lives. He says, look at verse 3. We're getting to verse 4. We're going to get out of here on time. He says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Oh, thank you, Solomon, because you're helping us to be able to, to shift our attitude when it comes to our children and realizing here it is, here it is, here it is. I know, I know, I know. Let me help the church out real quick because we will sometimes what we do, we, we, we're so hypocritical, Sister Sheree. We're so, we're, so, we're, we're so up and down sometimes because here's what we do, here's what we do. Uh, uh, we will celebrate a child that's being born to two parents that's married. But we hear about that child that's been born out of well, like, oh, my God, I just can't believe they did that. How did this happen? What do you mean, how did this happen? They had sex. That's how it happened. Amen. Nobody talked to them about safety. Nobody talked to them about purity. Nobody talked to them. We damn sex. We shame sex. And so they went out there and got a taste for themselves and found out, oh, my gosh, this is great. I love it. And we never share with them what God says about sex and how he designed sex and what he meant for sex. We never talked to them about that. So they went out on their own and discovered for themselves. And now here it is. As Tupac said, Brenda's got a baby. <laughs> and we're trying to figure out what's going on and what we are going to do. And we shame and we damn the pregnant woman. And we shame and we damn the young man that got the girl pregnant. But we will celebrate two folks who don't even know each other, who don't even like each other. In fact, they went on and got married before they made the announcement about the pregnancy to cover everything up. But we celebrated. Solomon says, and I, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him, Solomon, are you saying, are you saying, Solomon, that whether the children were born out of wedlock or in the beauty of marriage, that they are still yet a gift from the Lord and that they are a reward from him? He's asking us to shift our mindset when it comes to our children to have the proper attitude towards them and realizing, Brother Brian, that they're not just the extra help around the house. They're not just there to help you raise your other kids. <laughs> Uh-oh, Swims, you're getting ahead of yourself. No, I'm not. I'm right here in the text. That they are, they, they are a gift from the Lord, and they are a reward from him. We have to learn. I know this sounds a little bit strange that we're, we're teaching. We're saying that our children need to honor their parents, but ch parents also need to honor their children to a certain aspect. And realizing they are little people who are going to grow up into full-blown adults. And so I want to treat them with the same respect that I'm demanding of them, I catch myself because I, we tr we're, we're helping to teach Carrie and Kenny. I know it sounds old school that when, when we talk to them or any adult talks to them, it's yes, ma'am, or yes, sir. I know it's old school. We don't really say that no more. It's just what? And yeah, I can't stand when I'm subbing and I call them the kid's name. What, Mrs. Swim? Don't say what to me. I almost passed out and lost and forgot where I was at. Don't say what to me. 
I need you to say, yes, Mr. Swims, yes, Pastor Swims, yes, sir, no, sir. Don't just say what. I, you say that to one of your friends, but you don't say that to me. They catch and say, okay, Mr. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I won't say what. I say, yes, sir. And we're teaching them to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And I have to catch myself that when she calls on me, whether it doesn't matter what I'm doing, when Kenny calls my name, when Carrie calls my name, no matter what I'm in the midst of doing, I have to catch myself that when they say daddy, that I don't respond. What? What do you want? And when I do, I got to go back. Holy Ghost convicts me. And I go back, Mother Aubrey, and I say, you know what, Daddy? Sorry for responding like that. Uh, because, listen, I'm teaching you to say yes. I need to respond in a respectful way to you as well. Why? Because I'm training you and I'm showing you how to, how to teach other people as you're growing up how to treat you and how to respond to you. Because if we don't teach our children how to teach other people how to respect them, folks will treat you any old kind of way. No, 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 no. If my daddy don't answer me with what, you ain't going to answer me with what either. We have to show respect to them as well, reminding them you are a gift. No matter what the no matter what the conditions were, you are a gift from God. You are a reward to us from God. We didn't have to be your parents. You could have been born to anybody else, but the mere fact that God thought enough of us for me to be your father is an honor and a blessing. Gift, they are a reward. Then I like how he shifts to verse 4. He says, children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. I like that because even when he says that and he uses that word warrior, oh, man, your mind just kind of shifts and you think about hunger games. That's what I think about. I think about hunger games and you're out there on the battlefield and you got your bow and you got your arrow and it sets up in your mind that anyone who has a bow and arrow, everybody can be trusted with a bow and arrow. And even when you are trusted with a bow and arrow, you have to be trained and developed, Brother Victor, on how to be able to use a bow and arrow. Because to put a bow and arrows in the hands, Amber, of someone that's untrained and ignorant of how to use it, they're going to mess up what they got. He says, children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. So if our children, fathers, are like arrows in our hands, that means, that means we have to position ourselves. We have to position ourselves. Here's the first thing. That if, I, that, that if we're going to be warrior fathers and warriors, dad, we have to realize that arrows, and he's talking about children here, must be attentively shaped and sharpened. He says if we're going to be warrior fathers, warriors, dads, then our children, our sons, and our daughters have to be intensively shaped and sharpened. That means, that, that means even if you have multiple children, how you deal with each child is going to be different. Because their DNA and their makeup is different. Yes, they got the same mama. Yes, they got the same daddy. But their makeup is going to be different. So how I deal with them is going to have to be a personal plan that I develop. For each child. Carrie looks like Sister Swims, but she has my personality. Kenny looks like me, but she's Brittany Kent Cawthon Swims all day long. 
We call her No Limit Kenny because if it's something that she wants, she's going to go for it, ma'am. It doesn't make a difference who's got it. If you sit in her seat at the house, Minister Lynn, she's going to tell you, this is my seat. I need you to get up right about now. She got frustrated with us a couple of days ago. She said, I want y'all out of my house. I said, listen here, little woman of God. Now, it's cute and funny to a certain extent, but I need you to get yourself together because you pay not nan beers up in here. I'm loaning your room to you. The bed is mine. The clothes are mine. The sheets are mine. The pillowcases are mine. Your pull-ups and your wipes are mine. I can't even wear them, but they're mine too. Different personalities, so we have to deal with them Differently, I can talk to Carrie in a strong way, and she will come together. But with Kenny, I may have to repeat two times. But if she sees me, get up and start walking. Okay, 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 daddy. I have to attentively shape and sharpen them. I love how strong her, per her personality is, even at two. But I have to shape it and sharpen it so that she'll know when to use it and when not to use it. When she needs to be her mama and when she needs to be like her daddy. Our kids, our children, fathers, need us to attentively, which means that we're going to have to spend intentional time in shaping them, and you can't shape something without a relationship. God help me this morning. You can't shape nothing without a relationship because in a relationship, it gives me the opportunity to know how to be able to reach them right where they are, to know what they're like, to know what their makeup is so that I can be able to raise them and train them up to be everything that God wants them to be. And I have to sharpen them. If it's not sharpened, if an arrow's not sharpened, I don't care where you launch it to. It ain't going to make a target. It ain't going to hit nothing. And sometimes that sharpening, thank you, Holy Ghost, sometimes the sharpen, sharpening with correction. Oh, God, can I tell you, can I tell you, I need a little bit more time this morning. Can I tell you what we're missing? Can I tell you what we're missing, fathers, in the lives of our children today? Being a substitute teacher for now, almost, gosh, almost 10 years now, close to 10 years now, I'm seeing our children need to be sharpened with correction. They need to be sharpened with discipline. Discipline and correction does not always mean whooping with a belt, but discipline and correction sometimes can mean that I'm taking away your privileges to TikTok. I'm taking the game and the phones away. You take technology from a kid, they about to fall off that they're tearing you for the Holy Ghost. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, they about to have a full-blown fit. What? But it's necessary. Why? Because as I, as I spend time with you and know your makeup and know what you're like and knowing what you're going to be in the future, I have to prepare you so that when I launch you out, you can hit the target that you need to hit. Because here it is. Arrows in the hands of the archer are able to go places that the archer cannot. Arrows in the hands of the archer is launched into arenas and areas that the archer may never go. But knowing that my seed has been prepared and has been launched to go out, 
it means that I'm represented even though I'm not there. Oh, God, y'all not hearing me this morning. But even though I may not be able to go to a certain place, but because I've taken the time to attentively shape and sharpen my arrow, it will go farther than I have gone. My childhood pastor, the late President White Jr., told me growing up, he said, Chip, when I started preaching, when I preached my first sermon over 20-some years ago, Pastor White told me, he said, Chip, he said, listen, you're going to preach to more people than I ever had. You're going to go more places than I ever have. You're going to be exposed to things that I never had. And I'll question in my mind, how in the world, Pastor White, will I be able to preach to more people than you ever have? He realized that he was going to launch me somewhere that he would never go. But that because I was launched there, they would know that Presley White Jr. done been here too. Because of how he attentively shaped and sharpened me. I got to go. I got to get out of here because I'm hungry. I had a Red Bull this morning. I woke up early this morning, about 3-something this morning. So I'm a little sleepy. I, got, I went back to sleep about 4-something, but then the alarm kept going off, and I kept adding 15 more minutes and 15 more minutes and 15 more minutes and 15 more minutes. I said, Lord, if you don't help me get up right now, I won't be in service on this morning. So I have to get on up. I got my Red Bull. So I'm hungry right now, and I'm praying the Sister Swim's going to take me down to Paducah to go to Longhorn to get me a Parmesan-crusted chicken with some mashed potatoes and some broccoli and a strawberry lemonade light on the ice. Amen. So y'all pray with me that that's what they're going to do to bless me on this wonderful Father's Day 2021. But let me get back to the text because y'all didn't want to hear about my hunger pains. Here it is. Arrows, children, must not only be attentively shaped and sharpened. Get this, y'all. Arrows, children, must be deliberately directed. Why? They won't find it on their own. Arrows in the hands of an archer in his mind already has to know, Miss Chanel, where I'm launching this arrow to go. Because the arrow by itself won't find its direction. The arrow by itself won't find this way. But in the hands of a trained archer, they will release that bow. They will release that arrow. And they will know the intended purpose and destination for their child. Father's going to ask you a question in person and online. Do you have a vision for your kids? Do you have a vision for your kids? And let me go ahead. I know, I know, I know, I know I might get in trouble. Lord, help me today. I got Brother Victor and Brother Brian in here, so you ain't going to touch me. Amen. Uh, I might get in trouble by saying this, but the vision for your child has to exceed wearing Jordans. Oh, God, because they got on Jordans. That's $150, $200, and they can't even read Jesus' web in the scriptures. Amen. And that's the problem. The vision for your child's life is not for them to wear Gucci and not to wear Louis Vuitton. All that stuff is well and fine when they get a job and they're able to buy their own Louis Vuitton and Gucci and Coach and all of the other stuff on their own. But your vision for your child has to be I desire for my child to be blood washed. I desire for my child to be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. I desire for my child to have a love for God. I desire for my child to have a passion for God. I desire for my daughter to be a woman of God, to be a Proverbs 31 woman that will keep herself until she's married and 
said that the only man she'll ever be with will be her husband and all of her children will be by the same man that have a vision for my son that my son will not be another black suspected but he will be he will be a man of God he'll be a man of honor he will marry one woman and all of his children will be by that woman he'll be faithful to his wife all the way to the end what is your vision for your kids You ain't got no vision for your child. Oh, everybody gonna be looking at everybody. What are we doing, Daddy? Where are we, where are we going? What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? No, 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 no. There has to be a vision because without a vision, how will you know where to send them? How will you know where to launch them? Has to be a vision, fathers, that we have for our kids. He says. Last thing, Arrow's children must be handled with competence and with stability. Fathers, though we're still learning, we have to have some sort of idea of what we're doing. There has to be a level of competence. There has to be a level of stability that we have so that we can be able to launch our children in the direction that they need to go. So that they can be able to be equipped and prepared to be what God has orchestrated and ordained for their life to be. Well, Pastor, you kind of contradicted yourself because you just said we got to be competent, but you also said that we got to be ever learning. Yeah, we have to be constantly learning. Well, we're looking to the book. It's good to read other books. It's good to go to seminars. I'm not knocking it at all. I read, look, take on whatever it is that I'm able to, 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 to take on to be able to grow. But we have the greatest manual right here. Listen, and with the advancement of technology, thank God for technology, that if you have the Bible app on your phone, you can have a nice, smooth voice that'll read the word to you. Ain't God good? That we're leaning on his word to help us lead our kids. Because if we're lost, our kids are going to be lost. If we don't know, Lord, have mercy, what we're going to do, our kids won't be competent and they'll be unstable as well. But as fathers, we have to provide a sense of competence and stability so that we can be able to launch them where they need to go. Here's something that I learned the other week. Pastor, you always use an illustration with your family, with your kids. Yeah, I do that because it's safe. Because if I talk about somebody else, they might get mad or something. So I just use my own people. Amen. Amen. It, it's safe that way. Praise God. It, I know. They, 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 they were born into it. They didn't really have a choice. Amen. They didn't know I'm born to the past. I'm going to be involved in all the stories. Help God. They didn't know that. But it just comes. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it, it's in the contract. It's just in there. It's there. It's there. It's there. A few weeks ago, I told Carrie, Carrie, we signed you up for camp. Camp. She is excited for camp. She wake up that Monday morning, Sister Ross. She is ecstatic. She is excited. She's ready to go to camp, Mother Simon. She drop, I drop her off at camp. I pick her up. I said, Carrie, how was how was your first day at Accurate? I didn't like it. I said, 
I said, little woman of God, what you mean you didn't like it? Why you didn't like it? That's, it wasn't camp. I said, what you mean? All we did was read all day. I could do that at home. I said, Carrie, I'm sorry. I used the wrong word. You weren't going to camp. She was thinking about camp. Um, Kiki Wonka that she watches on TV. So she thought they were going to be in the cabin. They won't be other people there. They were going to have bump beds. So that was her image of camp. J Jennifer, I used the wrong words. And she said, Daddy, I'm not going back no more. I can read at home with y'all. I said, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. You're going to read at the I Can Read program, and you're going to read at home as well. And that night she came and she laid beside me, and she started boo-hooing crying. I'm talking about that good cry where you start shaking and, and having spasms and stuff and can't even get your words out. You sound like a broken record, sound like a rapper. She was like, Daddy, 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 I, I don't want to go. And I said, hey, and I always oh, just it tugged at my heart, Sharia, it tugged at my heart, Jerrion. I said, oh, God, I'm not going to make my baby go back tomorrow because it brought back flashbacks. I tell y'all all the time, I, I think I cried from birth all the way up to about maybe six or seven years old. I just cried all the time. In fact, in church, the pastor, Reverend Clark, then started preaching um, Amber until he would look over to my pew and see if I was crying because he got tired of me interrupting his sermons on Sunday. We would be in church, just cool, calm, and collective, and I would go, but we didn't have the luxury back then. Amen. We didn't have phones and stuff in church. All you had was a peppermint that a church mother would give you, and you had a pen. No, not even a pen and paper. You have the church program that you use. You get the Bible out. You put the church bulletin on that Bible, and you will use that to write and draw and do all of that stuff. So mama tried to make sure, Minister Lynn, that she had all that stuff before we got to church. That Sunday, she forgot Jerry, and she didn't have a pen. And my cry was not just a cry. It escalated. It started from the bottom, and it went all the way up. It rose. I mean, it would be a silent killer. It would just be and this loud cry would just come out and everything in service would be disrupted. Reverend Clark would look over that way and daddy got tired of Reverend Clark looking at our pew every Sunday. So we took that walk. I will never forget that walk of death. We took down to the basement of the bathroom because I knew what that meant. Daddy didn't get involved until he had enough of my crying and we went downstairs and he had something to get me to really cry about because it wasn't worth crying over a pen. But in that basement, in that bathroom. I was hoping he would wait until the other guys would leave, but he would go right into the stall, take off his belt, and I would get the screaming and the hollering. So when she cried, I thought about that. I said, I'm not making my baby go back to I can read. If she want to be with her daddy, she's going to be with her daddy. And I thought to myself, I said, she's not looking for me to be a helicopter parent. She's looking for me to be a warrior parent. Helicopter parent. I, 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 I fly in. And at the sight of potential danger, I rescue and I bring her out. But in becoming a helicopter parent, the, I like what this one lady said, I forgot her name so I can give her credit for it. She said, we, we teach our children not to have any grit. They won't know how to go through anything. They won't know how to handle anything because every time danger comes, mama or daddy rescue them. And so every day I coach Carrie. I said, baby, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. I will hold her hand and walk her up to the door. I said, you're going to be fine. Daddy's going to be here to pick you up. I'll get you back. Donald's, I have your orange Tic Tacs for 
for you when you get home, but you're going to go. And she'll cry a little bit. She'll try to keep it together. And then when I would pick up, how was it? Today was awesome. I had a great day. Then the next day, it's the same thing over and over again. But I'm teaching her. I'm teaching her. Even though daddy may not be there all the time, you have a heavenly father that you can be able to call on in the times of trouble, even in school, even after school programs. He will be a refuge for you to run to. We don't teach our children how to have grit. They'd be 75 years old in your basement sticking folks in. If we don't teach our children how to have grit and how to handle life when it comes, they'd be on your payroll until you die. Not that they have some physical handicaps, some mental handicaps. It's just that we became a savior of a parent and saved them from everything. And so now they don't know how to deal with life when life gets crazy. Because everything has always been done for them. And they've been saved from everything. Children born to a man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. I like verse 5. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He won't be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the gate. During this time, during this time, there were no huge armies. The fathers had sons. Their sons <laughs> were born into that army. And when it came time for battle, the sons and the fathers, the, son, the fathers took the time to train their sons and develop, to develop their sons so that when it came time for battle and when an enemy would come to the city gates, the sons would be there at the city gates to stand against the accusers and to fight in the battle. It was a shame, Brother Victor, that if the enemy got to the gate and they, came and they encountered your son and your son was weak and not competent, it was a shame. The shame was not just on the son, but the shame was on the father that you didn't take the time to train them and to develop them for war. But Solomon says, when a father has developed, when a father has trained, when a father has taken the time to attentively, attentively shape and sharpen, when a father's taking the time to deliberately direct their, to, to direct their kids, when a father's have handled them with competence and with stability, he says, look at verse 5, how joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. When they get to the city gate, he can stand there proud, seeing his children represent him well, and to see the fruit of his labor be on display. The purpose of us having children is not just for us to keep them with us forever. It's to train them and prepare them and then launch them into this world to do greater things than we've done. To be, success, to be successful, not just happy. Because happy is conditional about, you know, just 
I drive a certain car, if I live in a certain house, if I have a certain career, and if I don't have that certain car, if I, if I don't have a Gucci belt or wearing Louis Vuitton or have a big house or driving a Lincoln, uh, a, a, a midnight blue Lincoln, amen, with tinted windows and, and, and Lincoln MKS to be exact. If, that, if I don't have that, then I'm not happy. But to launch them to be successful and to do great things for the kingdom of God, And to be a display of our lady. Here it is, fathers. If you hear nothing else I said this morning, remember this. You may only have one lunch. You may only have one shot to send your child. And sometimes the worst thing that we could do is to release prematurely before that time. In the society that we live in now, our kids are being forced to grow up quicker than what they should. They're going from birth straight to adulthood. They're missing, they're missing adolescence and teenage years and, and mid-teens. They're missing all of that brother young because they've been forced by TV and society to grow up quick. 10 years old walking around with lashes. Why? Why? Growing up, being forced to grow so fast. We only got one lunch. We may only have one shot. So let's make sure, let's make sure that we have invested, that we have dedicated, that we've been consistent. Doesn't mean there won't be no mistakes or errors. But that we've given all that we have. That we love them well, not just with stuff, but with our presence. Our physical presence. Amen. Come on and put those hands together. Give God praise this morning. Hallelujah. <laughs>